Amen. I just want to, I just feel compelled to do it. So we're going to follow the Holy Spirit's prompting. Mark eleven twenty four. I'll put it on the screen. Amen. Mark eleven twenty four. Thank you, Jesus. We looked at a verse in class tonight where the Bible says the Word of God is like a hammer. It breaks the rocks in pieces. And um, you know, sometimes you just, you just take a verse and you just keep chipping away. Amen. You just keep chipping away. One of my favorite Bible teachers is Brother Keith Moore, and he has a series right now called No Worries. And um, I was listening to the eighth sermon in that series today, and, and he was talking about how, you know, Worry can become ingrained in a family. You, know, you had a grandmother that was a champion worrier and a mother who was a champion worrier, and now you know, you're a third-generation worrier. And you, know, you, you just have to keep on keeping on with the Word of God to break that cycle, to break that pattern. It's a... It, it just becomes a deep rut of worry, and, and if you've ever gotten in a rut in a vehicle, you know, you can come out of that rut, but it's very easy to slip back in it. And so repetition and, you know, revisiting things, staying focused and concentrating our, our efforts and our, our, our thoughts in a few key areas. Think about like with a, a magnifying glass in the sun, you know, that, that's the power of focus. And, and so really trying to focus in on some things that I believe are going to produce breakthroughs in our lives. So Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus speaking, he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What's Certainly stated in this verse, I think implied in this verse is um, made more clear, more plain in the God's Word translation. That's why I tell you to have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for and it will be yours. Have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for and it will be yours. So, just to review, there's a big difference between I believe I will receive and I believe I have already received. I believe I have already received. This is an accurate expression of faith. When we take I believe I've already received and instead say, I believe I will receive. What we're really trying to do is take faith and hope and blend them together. And there's got to be a, a clear definition between faith and hope. 
Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's kind of like when we teach on the subject of spirit, soul, and body. Your inward man is made up of both your spirit and your soul. As a matter of fact, by definition, the word heart, how many of you know the Bible has a lot to say about a man or a woman's heart? In the Greek, that's the word cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A. Obviously, we get our English word cardiac, again, heart. But biblically speaking, the word heart, cardia in the Greek, means fancy words, just hear me out, the totality of the immaterial man. So your heart, your inward man, the inward part of you, the Bible calls your heart, it is both your spirit and your soul. It's the combination of your spirit and your soul. And your spirit and your soul are, are so powerfully linked together that a lot of people think they're the same thing. A lot of Bible teachers teach them as being the same thing, but they're absolutely not. The, the, the Bible says the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, divides your spirit from your soul, divides one from the other. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, may your entire spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. He, he divides and separates those two. But again, they, they are closely related. As a matter of fact, both of them make up the part of you that's called your heart. And so it's very easy for us to, to kind of talk about them and interchange them as if they mean the same thing when they don't. I'm not teaching on that so much tonight as I'm trying to illustrate to you that the same thing happens many times when we're talking about faith and hope. Faith and hope work together. Faith and hope, um, you know, are, are very powerful in the sense that, that um, they are connected and, and when combined uh, properly uh, produce tremendous results in our lives. But a lot of folks have no real distinction between what's faith and what's hope in the same way that they don't have any real distinction between what's spirit and what's soul. And the Bible clearly defines the difference between those two. Now, last week, and I have a tendency, I used to be my own worst critic. I don't criticize myself anymore, but, but I do replay, rehash, revisit a sermon once, a class, once I teach it, once I minister it. My family knows sometimes I'm real quiet after a church service, you know. It's because I'm kind of going back through things, trying to process. And, and, and I was particularly quiet. I drove home by myself. We had two vehicles here last Wednesday. And so um, I had that drive home just to kind of, you know, talk to the Lord about last Wednesday evening's message. And you know, we kind of waded off into some things that I feel like I could have done a better job communicating. But when we talk about faith and we talk about hope and faith being the substance for our hope, substance means that which comes beneath and supports. Um, it, it's, it's the underpinning of our hope. It's what our hope rests upon. 
confident expectation always rests upon faith. Faith always rests upon the Word of God. The Word of God always rests upon God Himself. And so last Wednesday evening, for those of you who were here, for those of you who were not, I really was just going to mention this and move on, but it's like the more I tried to explain it, the, the deeper we kind of got into those things. And we said that we need to understand faith from two perspectives. We need to understand it from the perspective of it being an, an art form, meaning something that comes from the heart, something that is inward, something that is felt. Um, but then also we need to recognize that, also, that, that right alongside the art form of faith is that there's actually some skills that are as much faith as the art of it is in our heart. And of course from there, you know, we, we went into, you know, talking about someone who could be a very skilled technical singer versus someone who may not hit every note just right, may not um, pronounce the words just right, but they're singing from their guts and, and they can tell a story when they sing. And, you know, again, you've got the art, the artist, you've got the, the technical skill. People who make millions of dollars singing are ones who can combine them both, right? And, 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 and do that well. And so I think sometimes we, we swerve to one side of faith or the other in the sense that we look at it only as skill and not from this heart perspective this inward, the art, what I'm calling the art of faith, or vice versa. We only consider it from the art, art side, the heart side, and not the skill side. When I think it's, it's just like the singing and just like so many other things in life, it's when the two come together. Sometimes when I, when I talk about these things, I use um, Matt Vanessa's son, Will, my, my nephew, Will. Uh, some of you know him. He's been playing some at the Foundry uh, here of late. It, he is one of the most gifted guitarists that I've ever heard play. And I'm not just saying that because he's my nephew. And if you know his story, he, he just picked up a guitar one day and could play it. Never had a lesson. Ten, he's ten years old, he picked up a guitar and could play it. Okay? So again, um, that's an art. That's, that's something, that's a gift. That's something inside of him. That's, that's you know what I'm saying, you know. Um, you say you can't teach that. Well, you're right you can't teach it because he didn't have to be taught it. It was in him, okay? But I've also seen him practice until his fingers bled. <laughs> and you say, well, which one is it? Is it, is, it, is it this art, this gift that he's been given, or is it a skill? And it's both. It's, it's not one or the other. It's, it's the working together of them both. And so God's given to every person the measure of faith. You have faith inside of you right now. When we start talking about skill, it's when we start, we start talking about confessing the Word, hearing the Word, awakening that faith, arousing that faith, growing that faith, exercising that faith. It's like a muscle that needs to be exercised, it needs to be developed, it needs to be grown. And we do that through a set of skills that we can actually develop and get better at. We can practice and get better at. 
Now, if you just say, well, you know, faith is just purely skill and you just practice it and you'll get better and better at faith and leave the heart part out of it, the gift part out of it, the, the art out of it, you're not ever going to get any results. Just like if you only look at it from this perspective and never understand the skill side of it, right? Now, when, with all that in mind, let's try to build on it for a few more minutes here. Back to Mark, it's on the screen, God's Word translation. That's why I tell you, have faith that you've already received whatever you pray for and it will be yours. So he says, have faith that you've already received. But now keep in mind, you, you don't actually have whatever you've asked for in your possession yet. Okay? You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't actually have it in your hands. Now, I'm not trying to get all complicated. As a matter of fact, don't overcomplicate this. It's not complicated, it's simple. If you already possessed it, if you already were it, if you already had it, okay, you wouldn't need faith and hope. You'd just need to celebrate. <laughs> right? So, by virtue of what faith and hope are, right, the implication is you've believed you've already received something and because of that you now have a confident expectation that you're going to hold it in your hands, you're going to experience it in your body, you're going to see it in your bank account, you're going to drive it, you're going to live in it, you're going to, you know, you believe in God for a house, for a car, for a husband, for a wife, for, you understand, you believe you've already received. Because you believe you've already received, you now have a confident expectation. Amen. So, do you see why believing I will receive is not the same as believing I've already received? It's kind of a mashup of faith. It's trying to make faith and hope be the same thing at the same time. See, now, when we talk about art and skill, the skill here is to be able to distinguish that and the difference between that in your mind. Jesus said in John the sixth chapter, He said, your work is to believe on Him whom God has sent. So, when we, we talk about faith, there is effort in it. As a matter of fact, the Lord said something to me a long time ago, it's just a Bible verse put in words that maybe register with you in a different way than what the Bible says. But there's no such thing as effortless faith. No such thing as effortless faith. In other words, faith, by virtue of how it works, there's effort, okay? So where that effort takes place and where the skills come into play and are developed is, is, is in the battle we fight in our minds. Because remember, we believe we've already received, but because we don't actually have what it is we believe we've received, this means there are all kinds of circumstances and situations that are contradicting, that are telling you nothing's changed, that are telling you nothing's happened, that's telling you you're still sick, that's telling you your hip's still broken, that you're, you're bad or whatever, you, you follow. And so you believe you've already received, but you still have symptoms. You still have debt. You still have bill collectors sending you things in the mail. So there's, there's this 
bombardment of sense realm evidence that says nothing's changed, nothing's different. Right? You realize the day you were born again, every devil in hell was opposed to that, but they couldn't stop you. But I've yet to meet a man or a woman that was born again that the devil didn't come to him after the, after the fact and tell him nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. You, you're the same person. Now you got caught up in the emotion. Again, see, he's, he's trying to undermine it. Then you make a mistake. You, you take your first stumble. You say something you shouldn't have said. You slip back into an old pattern of behavior. And then he really jumps on See, you're the same old person. You're not saved. You're not like those other people down at that church. You all, who are you fooling? All this other stuff, right? Because he's trying to use contrary evidence, contradicting evidence to undermine what you believe you have already received. Okay? Now, let's go to... Um, Real quick, like, let's go to Hebrews 11 and 1. I've mentioned that verse already. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? I'm going to put the amplified version on the screen. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now that last phrase right there, again, it, it really helps us understand this faith process, if you will, how we use faith to solve problems. Notice again how this dovetails with, I believe I have already received based upon what God has said in His Word. See, He says, by, let's just use healing for an example. He says, by His stripes you were healed. So your ankle's hurting you, your, 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 your knee's hurting you, okay? And so you're going to, because remember, faith receives what grace has already given. Grace has already provided healing for your body. Grace has already provided healing for your body. By His stripes you were healed. Not everybody who was crucified was beaten almost to death first. Not everybody who was crucified had a crown of thorns put on their head first. Not everybody who was crucified had a crown of thorns put on their head and then beaten on the head with a, with a, with a, uh, a stick. Right? Not everybody who was crucified was uh, humiliated in the way that Jesus was humiliated, mocked as a king, bowed down and worshipped as a king. That, that, are you following? Everything he endured, he endured voluntarily, and everything he endured, he endured to bring some form of redemption to you and, from, and me. I believe all that beating on the head with a stick and those thorns that went all the way through his eyebrows and pierced into the apples of his cheek was for our mind. 
All those stripes that He took on His back was for, for our physical healing. Every bit of that bought and paid for. He was crucified and bled to death. His blood was for the removing of our sins. So we, when we talk about all of these things, right, this is what grace has done. Man, I get to talk about this, I don't want to stop, but if, if you needed to receive salvation tonight, what would Jesus have to do in order for a man or a woman to be saved in this building tonight? It's not a trick question. The answer is nothing. He's already done it. He's already provided salvation. Faith just simply receives what grace has already given to all humanity. What would He have to do for you to be healed tonight? Nothing. Faith receives what grace has already given. Now here's the thing. Now don't, listen to me. He became poor so you could become rich. What would He have to do tonight to erase your debt? See, we think, well, He's got to do something waiting for God to come through. I'm believing God's gonna. See, no, that ain't faith. That's some, that's, trying to take faith and hope and make them the same thing and work them and it doesn't work. Faith believes I've already received the financial breakthrough while the debt still staring me in the face. And then I enter into a confident expectation because I believed I've already received I, my confident expectation of some future good now rests firmly upon that faith. Faith rests upon what what God has said, what He's done, right? His Word communicates to us what He's done for us. So when I say faith rests upon what God has said, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, the Word of God and hearing the Word of God is how we hear about what He's done for us. Faith is, knows, hearing the Word of God that by His stripes you were healed. There's, in other words, there's some substance. That's why what, what His Word says rests upon God Himself, what Jesus is God, what He has done for you. And now you hear that. You hear the gospel message. You receive Jesus by faith. You receive what grace has already given. You receive that salvation by faith. Anybody in here besides me ever had symptoms of, of still being unsaved after you were saved? Still, still dealt with some stuff that um, more like an unsaved man than a saved man. But obviously you still believe you're saved, right? In spite of the symptoms. As you received Christ Jesus as the Lord, therefore walk ye also in Him. If we believed we received salvation and continued to believe that we're saved, even when there's symptoms that we're not, why would we think it a strange thing that we believe we've received healing and still experience some symptoms that say we're not healed? Right? So, Pastor Mark, how, how do you... Stare death in the face with sickness or symptoms in the face with, for that matter, death, because all fear is just a fear of death. Am I right about it? Fear of heights. You're not afraid of heights. You're afraid of falling. And dying, right? Or being severely injured. 
who was it that said, you, fear of flying. You're not afraid of flying. You're afraid of, afraid of crashing. See, all fear is a fear of death, right? So how, how, how do you believe you've already received financial breakthrough staring the debt in the face? Hope, confident expectation. Remember I told you the question you always have to ask when it comes to faith and when it comes to hope, based on what? If hope is not based upon something you've believed you've already received, it's not genuine hope. If your faith is not based upon something that the word of the Lord himself has said, even if he's saying something he's done for you, it's, there's, you follow what I'm saying? It's, it has to have a basis. So the skill, the art and the skill, we're back to that. The skill is maintaining that confident expectation. So how do you do that? By encouraging yourself in the Lord. See, the devil's going to bombard you with the but what ifs. The devil's going to bombard you with how you're going to pay this off. The devil's going to bombard you with your knees still hurting. Where the skill comes in, in here is that we can't just sit there and let him bombard us and do nothing. This is when we say, no, 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 devil. I believe I have already received. And because I believe I've already received my answer based upon what Jesus did for me on the cross, I confidently expect. Matter of fact, I'm going to check my knee right now to see if it's not hurting anymore. See, there, that's where we, we shift out of, when I say shift out of, shift from just a pure, we've believed this in our heart, and so now we're trying to cling to this, and, and man, the devil's trying to pull it away from us. And, and it, so this is where the skill comes in of, of swinging the sword of the Spirit. This is where the skill of encouraging yourself in the Lord. This is where the, the skill comes in of, of stirring up, because what happens, we get stirred up, right? Anybody remember, you know, when you was maybe a kid or whatever, the tea bag would, would, would bust in the... In, all that tea grounds and stuff, you know. But if you just let it alone, it would all settle. I remember, you know, you used to try to pour it real easy, you know, because you don't want to stir it up. See, what happens to all of us, remember Peter's brief faith? He walked on water until he took his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes back on his circumstances, and then he began to sink, right? So brief faith, what, what happened? All of a sudden, the, you know, before Jesus got there, he was all stirred up in fear. He sees Jesus walking on the water. They're thinking he's a ghost. It's an omen and they're all about to die. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's me. Peter says, if it's you, faith, right? He's now responding. If it's you, bid me come. This wasn't anything about him wanting to set a standard of faith for all humanity. This was about finding the safest place he could find in the moment. And the safest place was out of this sinking boat with the man who can walk on water. If it's you, bid me come. Jesus says, come. Notice now he's heard the word. He's acting on the word. So notice what's happened. In fear all stirred up in him. Now the grounds of that fear are settling and now faith is getting stirred up, right? So now he's all stirred up in faith. He's stirred up in faith. He gets out of the water, out of the boat, starts walking on the water. Then he takes his eyes off of Jesus. Guess what just got stirred up now? 
See, now the fear is stirred back up. So watch what happens. We, we come to a service, we get hands laid on us, anointed with oil, pray. Our faith is all stirred up, right? We believe we've already received. Yes, Pastor Mark, amen, 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 right? So, but now if we're not careful, that will all kind of settle in our hearts. And all the being bombarded with the symptoms and the circumstances and the evil reports that the devil keeps bringing at us and blah, blah, blah. See, now if we're not careful, all of a sudden that starts getting stirred up. So because faith is greater than fear, we have to keep it stirred up. We have to keep the hope stirred up. One of the key ways of doing that is through worship, through simply being thankful. There's when you believe you've already received, every time the devil tries to tell you it has nothing's changed, nothing's happened, your faith is not making any difference. You, you need to, out of your mouth, Father, I thank you for healing my body. I thank you for providing for my family. I thank you. See, out of your mouth, what are you doing? You're, you're keeping that hope stirred up. You're keeping that confident expectation stirred up. You're reminding yourself what you've believed you've already received. See how this works, right? That's, that's, I'm not saying that doesn't come from the heart, but that's, that's more the skill part of this thing that we've got to practice, that we've got to become good at. What's, what's happened, again, back to that rut we, we've kind of got in, in this rut of, of saying whatever we're feeling. Right? And we'll even exaggerate it. My hip is killing me. No, it's not. It might, it might be hurting you, but it's not killing you. So we don't consider that lying. My hip is every bit whole by the stripes Jesus took on his back. Well, I saw you limping. <laughs> Somebody walks in. How's your hip? My hip is killing me. We don't think they're lying, but their hip's not killing them, right? Same person walking in. How's your hip? Man, my hip is healed. It was healed 2,000 years ago when Jesus took stripes on his back. Now we, we consider that person not telling the truth. See? See how this works? It's because our minds have been trained to exaggerate and emphasize and magnify the negative when faith emphasizes emphasizes, magnifies the report of the Lord. See the difference there, right? And so faith always has a good report. That's what Brother Kenneth Hagin says, right? Faith always has a good report. Well, praise God. One, let me just, amen, we're going to come back to this verse, Amplified, maybe next week. I want to give you just one more verse, okay? This has been the one more song, one more verse night, right? Amen. Let's go to um, Romans 4 and 16. I'll put it up on the screen. Romans 4, 16 through 18.
Now, the reason Abraham's story is so important is because his is the case study, if you will. His is the example to follow. Um, let me say it another way. I'm, I've, uh, I don't know when. I'm, I'm, I'm working on the outline and, and chapters and titles and all that. I haven't actually started writing yet. But um, it's in my heart to write a book called Faith, a User's Manual and focus on the practical application of faith, how to take the measure of faith that we've been given and use it to solve problems. And you, you can't talk about how to use faith without talking about Abraham because he is the case study. He is the example that the Bible holds up for us to look at, to learn from, and to follow. So listen to what it says here. Therefore it is a faith that it might be according to grace. Again, faith receives what grace has already given so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This last verse, all of these verses are important, but this last verse is the one I want us to finish up with tonight. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So God spoke to Abraham, made him a promise. Abraham and Sarah initially laughed at God. That's how ridiculous his promise sounded to them. That's how much doubt they had where what God said to them was concerned. But of course we see they went from laughing to ultimately receiving this supernatural miracle um, of the birth of Isaac, conception and birth of Isaac um, in their life, this child of promise. So God says to him, I have made you a father of many nations. We've taught on this before. I'll just be brief here. I believe for years Abraham heard, we'll make. God didn't say to Abraham, I will make you. He said, I have made you. Notice that's back to that believe I will receive versus believing I have already received. When Abraham realized God said, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead calls things which do not exist as though they did. Remember, his name was Abram. He changed his name to Abraham, which means father of multitude, before, before Isaac was ever conceived or born. So do you see what he's doing here? He is going all in. He, he is like, um, in other words, reminding people that he's changed his name. In other words, if I change my name, think of how many times I would have to correct somebody. Right? You see what I'm saying? If, my name's Mark Edward, let's just say. All right? And so, this would be simple, but let's just say that I don't want you to call me Mark anymore. I want to go by Edward. Okay. 
Well, every time, if I'm going to make that transition, every time somebody says, Pastor Mark, I'm going to say, <clears throat> no, it's not Pastor Mark anymore. It's Pastor Edward. <laughs> right? Okay. So notice now this, why would Abraham at almost 100 years old change his name to father of a multitude? See, this became a way of every time somebody spoke to him and called him something other than father of a multitude, he corrected them. See, every time, right? I mean, maybe you just need to change your name to freedom. Maybe you just need to change your name to um, debt-free, healed. See, the world, has, the world has no problem naming us. Addict. Diabetic. They have no problem with it, see? Right? Don't you ever call me that again. That's not, that's not who I am. It's not who I am. See, you see, right? This, this, was the, this was how this was playing out. Abraham believed God had made him the father of a multitude because he, he promised, right? Him and Sarah hadn't had a kid yet. So this last part. Who contrary to hope and hope believed. This doesn't mean he believed philosophically in the concept of hope. When it says in hope believed, it, it means he believed himself into hope. This word contrary to hope. Contrary is used to communicate two things that are exactly opposite or entirely different. In other words, there was absolutely nothing Abraham could point to to find any hope whatsoever. Everything he considered outside of what God said pointed to a big fat no way. I started to say no way, Jose, but if your name's Jose, I'm not trying to. Right, just, I used to say stuck like Chuck till Chuck Stewart started coming to Heritage. I'm like, well, I better stop saying that. <laughs> Amen. Everything he looked at is no way. It's not, it's, I mean, yeah, have you ever been in one of those situations in, your, in life and you're like, you're scrambling, dude. I mean, you're like, you're, your mind's in hyperdrive. I mean, you are considering every possible conceivable option. I mean, you, 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 you've already gone outside of the immediate family. You've already gone outside of immediate friends. You, I mean, you're like, you're scheming now is involving people in other states. I mean, you, you know. So every possible conceivable way Abraham looked at this thing in the natural is all, it's all the complete opposite of hope. It's all hopeless. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. Hope is what carries us in the face of contradiction. I didn't say that very well, but I'm saying it right. I'm just not saying it very, very 
poetically here. Believe that you've already received and yet nothing as far as your five senses are concerned has changed. Right? Amen. That's where, that's where, that's where you are. Okay, so what's happening then is, again, there's pain in the hip, there's debt, there's bills, there's this, there's all of these things that we're believing God, you know, have believed God. See how, what I just did right there? We believe we've already received. Okay. Now we've entered into confident expectation that we will have what we've already believed we've received. Hope is how you deal with everything that contradicts what you believe you've already received. And you can practice it. You can keep it stirred up. And you can get good at it. Stand with me. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I believe you're getting something out of this tonight. Amen. <laughs> I believe this is helping us because it's helping me. Amen. 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 Father, thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for helping us, Lord, in these areas. Father, your ways are the ways of faith, and we want to live according to your ways. Can't even please you without faith. That's how important it is. Holy Spirit, thank you for teaching us tonight. And help us in the application of these things in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for being patient with us. I know we went a little longer tonight than we've been normally going. So good things coming. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you Sunday. Praise God.